um, at another church I worked at, not this one, take a breath, not at this one, at another church I worked at, I was approached by a parent, and he asked me what I was going to do to get his daughter back in church. And I remember being a bit flummoxed by that question. Thank you, Damon. This thing weighs like a thousand pounds, y'all. He's, he's very strong. Yeah, good job, Damon. Thank you. Uh, I, I remember being flummoxed by the question, how are you going to get my daughter back in church? And, and I remember answering, well, if you can get her here, we're going to do our best to build a relationship with her. And I, I'm pretty proud of what 23-year-old David said. Because uh, I was a bit frustrated by the question. Um, to me, on a Sunday morning, it, I, I, we could have gone a lot, like there, there was a lot more to say in that moment, you know, you know what I mean? There's a lot more to say in that moment, and I'm, I'm glad that I answered the way that I did, but there was much more to say. My answer, my answer wasn't incomplete, but, but it was lacking further explanation. And as I've been a youth pastor now for going on six years and, and been working with teens for about a decade, uh, I, I've recognized some things, I've learned some things, and I... I I've seen that the most important element to a child's spiritual development, even their emotional, cognitive, and their social development, is directly paralleled by their parents' intentionality to develop them. The single most important element of development for a child is a parent's intentionality to develop them. So while my answer may not have been 100% uh, 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 informative for him, <laughs> maybe not the answer he wanted, it was just as incomplete as his understanding for his role to disciple his family. Does that make sense? And, and so, like, he wasn't a bad guy, you know what I mean? Like, he, he wasn't a bad guy, he just, he just didn't know what to do. He, he hadn't really thought through his why in his family. Author and activist Bob Goff um, says, know why you do what you do. Know why you do what you do. That's a pretty simple like, life lesson to live by. Know why you do what you do. Parents, I have a question for you. Do you know why you do what you do? Do you know why and how you fill the hours between 5 and 10 p.m. when your kids are home? Do you know why you have your kids signed up for this or that extracurricular activity? Have you weighed out the significance of their time with you in the car between volleyball practice, uh, <laughs> we could go ad nauseum about the activities that your kids do, I'm sure. But have you weighed out the significance of that time from home to thing, back to home? Do you know why you bring them to church? Do you know why they have a cell phone? Do you know what they have on their cell phone? Do you know why they have an Xbox? Do you know what they play on their Xbox or whatever system they use? Do, do you know why? Listen, this is not, this is not an indictment. Don't, don't, don't mishear me this morning. I'm not indicting anybody or, or calling your parenting into question, but I am asking a simple question. Do you know why you do what you do? See, at Cornerstone, we have some goals and some, maybe a better way to say it is we have our why in mind. We know why we do what we do, and we have a why in mind for your kids and for your teens. See, we're committed to developing your children towards spiritual maturity. That's, that's what we're all about at this church. Because if you can become spiritually mature, if we can disciple you to that point, then you're going to start looking not just inward and at my own self, but you're going to start looking outward at other people in order to develop and equip them to not only look inward, but also to, and so on and so forth. Because discipleship is the most important thing. It is the thing that we're called to do every believer, not just pastors, but all people. And so we are committed as a church to developing your children's spiritual maturity. Now, we have a, a multi-layered approach to how we uh, get to that, so, so just bear with me for a minute. I, I kind of want you guys to know what we do, both in our children and our teen ministry. Just, just bear with me for a minute as I kind of give you some information here. In our children's ministry, we want your kids to understand how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, there is, uh, in, in the pastor world, which... You guys don't care, but I care because I, I read all the time. This is what I do. Uh, there's a, a, a term called the 4 to 14 window. From ages 4 to 14, in America, 63% of all salvation decisions are made in that age bracket. 63%. Over half 
of the people that get saved in America are from the ages of 4 to 14. And then the next breakdown from ages 14 to 18 adds another 15%. So almost 80% of people that get saved in America get saved before the age of 18. That's a wild statistic to me. How important is it that we teach your kids to have a personal relationship with Christ? It's vital. It's vital as we see it. Number two, we want them to love God and to love others. A simple idea, hard to live out. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how you love God and how you love others. We want them to display a lifestyle of Christian habits. We want to show them what a Christian habit is. It's important to read your Bible, right? It's important to pray, not just before mealtime, but during your day. And set aside times to pray, right? We want to teach them these, these rhythms, these habits of being a good Christian. Number four, the importance of learning from the Bible. We want them to know about their Bible. We want them to be able to identify passages so they don't have to always go back to the index. We want them to be familiar enough with their Bible that they can flip right to where they want to be. You guys understand what I'm saying? There's importance to that. There's importance to learning uh, uh, where Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. There's importance to knowing where Psalm... Go to the middle of your Bible. Well, okay, we say that now, but I guess they're all on their phones, aren't they, anyways, or their devices, and they can look... Anyways, but... It's still important for them to navigate with their thumb where they should be and how they should be going there, right? And we want them to, to have those paces down enough so that when it's time for them to get to the next and subsequent levels of understanding their Bible, they won't have to be at the rudimentary level. So these are four things that we have in mind, and then this is how we get there. We have Sunday morning worship and teaching, and we play games. We have Sunday night programming from, I believe it's six-ish, Maybe it's a little earlier, 5.45, where you can drop your kids off then, so that you can get the small group and that they also can be trained up in Bible. And they're going to pray and have fun and play all, all at the same time. On Wednesday night programs, we teach them, and guess what we do again? Play. We do a lot of playing around here. Have you noticed that we like to have fun? Well, th there's, a, there's a purpose to that. We play and we have fun because it's our vehicle to talk to your kids about God. It's, it's, it's the... It's the it's the vehicle, it's the drive, it's the car, it's how we get to that moment where we can actually be serious with them. Uh, you guys have, those of you who have kids, or those of you who have had kids in your home, um, even those of you who just walk, walk the halls and see our kids, <laughs> you know that they need to play out some energy before they can focus and hear what God has to say to them. Amen? Okay, all right. I knew, I knew, I was waiting there, I just needed to call it out from you guys a little bit. Yeah, so we like to have fun because we want them to get to a focused spot where they can hear what we're having to say about how much God loves them. We like to have fun here at Cornerstone. We'll plan uh, periodic events where you can go and hang out with your kids and with other parents from their church, from our church, and, and other kids from our church so that you can get to know and interface with other people. That way you all can have fun together and church doesn't have to be a boring, hard thing that you guys get to do on Sundays or whatever. It becomes a really fun thing that you get to bring your kids to and your kids get to go to. That's our goal. We also plan like summer camps because for whatever reason, that interruption in their regular schedule, in their normal life, it really helps them to focus on God. Who's been to camp before? Wow, that's a significant number in this room. Um, uh, you recognize and you probably remember from your times at camp that it was a really impactful week of your life. It was a really impactful moment where you probably heard God very clearly in, in some ways that you understood. I know for me, in my own life, it was a very important place. And so we, we plan summer camp and make it a priority in our summers because there's just something special. There's just something special about being unplugged for a little while, getting away from our devices, our phones, getting away from all the social media distractions, getting away from the things in our lives that cloud up what God would have to say to us. And instead, we get to hear intentionally from him. Again, at camp, what do we do but just have fun the whole time? Eat decent food. Oh, some of y'all laugh. Okay. You know, you, you heard the joke. And then, and then we sit and hear God's word for a little bit. And even that small bit that we hear God's word at the end of the night after worship, something happens. Something happens. It's our vehicle to play, to have fun, and to plan these things so that your kids would have intentional moments where they can meet with God. Now, all of these activities are funneling towards our why. We don't just do them because that's what churches do. Does that make sense? In fact, we, we've, we've un, 
unhinged ourselves from a lot of things that other churches do. Not that they're bad. We're not, you know, saying bad things about other churches, but we've unhinged ourselves from a lot of programmed things that other churches do because we want to focus on our why and we want to focus on the how to get there. And so we're very intentional with our why. We understand our why. Erica McAdoo understands the why. She, she has some goals in mind for your kids to see them grow to spiritual maturity. And I do as well in the youth. I have a why in mind. I want to see your, your students grow to be spiritual young adults. So if, if you know uh, our, our wheel illustration, um, and even if you don't know our wheel illustration, and this is all new to you today, what I'm talking about, you understand that there's phases of life. You're an infant, you go to a child, you become a young adult, and eventually a young adult has kids, and they become a parent, okay? And that's our spiritual development wheel that we talk about all the time in discipleship. Um, we want to see your teenager become a spiritual young adult. Now, we want them to be a spiritual parent, if, if at all possible, but we understand that with cognitive and emotional and physical development, they may not necessarily be all the way to that maturity level to be a spiritual parent, but even still, we want to prop them up so that when they leave our church, they are ready to become a spiritual parent. Does that make sense? We want them to leave our church and even go to another church. That would be an amazing victory. You, you probably have heard the numbers, but it's, it's staggering how many people leave the church after they leave a youth group. So we don't want to be that. We don't want to be that at Cornerstone. And we think that we've, we think that we, in focusing on our why and adjusting our how to get there, we can get students who will not only l love our church, but love the church. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's, here's the why for your students as they come through youth ministry. Number one, that they demonstrate consistent Christian character. Number two, they engage in intentional relationships. There's a difference between organic and intentional. Organic just happens. There's somebody near you that you happen to laugh at the same jokes that the teacher tells in class or whatever, and then you just strike up a conversation and it happens. There's intentional where you're seeking out people. Intentional is very different than organic, all right? So we want to see them engage in intentional relationships. We want them to be looking for people to befriend. We want them to be looking for younger students than them in our ministry to know and to love and to care for, not just make fun of and slam the dodgeball in their face. You know what I'm saying? We want, we want more than that. We, we want intentional relationships. We want to see them faithfully serve in church, through some sort of ministry. We want them to recognize their need ultimately to reproduce a disciple one day. These are the why that we have in mind for our youth ministry, and here's how we do that. We provide opportunities to lead in large group. That's through lessons. That's through prayer. Uh, that's through testimonies that we have them write down and, 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 and rehearse and practice over and over again so that they have it down enough so that when it's time to actually share it in real life, not just in front of a group setting because your pastor told you to, but when it matters in front of somebody who needs to hear about God's love for them, they'll have it ready. Okay? Another way we do is we give them opportunities to serve in both the youth area and in our church-wide level. So we do mission trips. Uh, we've gone to Guatemala, we've gone to Romania, and we'll continue to go to multiple places we do the thing called Spring Serve coming up in March. Um, we've done it now two years. This will be our third year to do it, where the, the students will come for several days. We'll stay overnight here at the church, and then during the day we'll go somewhere and we'll do service projects locally. So this year we're going to do uh, VBS at an apartment community in conjunction with a mission uh, uh, complex called Mission Arlington. Who's ever heard of Mission Arlington? Yeah, again, a significant number in here because it's, it's a big deal. Mission Arlington is a very, very uh, important uh, uh, ministry that's been occurring for many, many years. Um, and so we're going to go with Mission Arlington, and we're going to go hold VBS at an apartment community with kids that we've never met before and share the love of Jesus with them. And your students are going to share the gospel. Did y'all catch that? That's wild. Your students are going to have an opportunity to share the gospel somewhere in Arlington or Fort Worth. That's, that's so cool to me that, that we're going to give them some opportunities to share Christ. Not just me. Listen, I know how. I know how. This is my job. Uh, like I speak professionally, uh, semi-professionally for, for a living. Uh, that's not their job 
but it is, right? It is their mission, and they have been commissioned by Christ to not only know who he is personally, but also to share him. And so we're teaching them some evangelism tools, even right now on Sunday nights. In fact, for the next the past two weeks and then on and for the next three weeks, we're going to be training them in how to share their faith more effectively so that many of our students can share their faith, can share a gospel presentation with someone who might want to come to know Christ. So we do things like spring serve. We also have them serve at the corner who got coffee this morning. Mm, amen. There's not enough hands. That was not a significant number. <laughs> Go support the corner, please. <laughs> We let them serve there, and they do a fantastic job. They really, really do. Um, we also let them serve in our kids' ministry. They go and help and dance and, and play games and, and help assist teachers during lesson time. We let them be in our worship ministry. We've had students playing drums. We've had students up here singing. We also do worship nights in our, uh, in our youth ministry on Wednesday nights. They're engaged, doing stuff with us. We also let them serve in our preschool ministries, letting them help and watch the kids hold the little babies so that you guys can sit in here and enjoy a message and enjoy worship without worry or fuss. Isn't that awesome? Man, I love that our kids are serving. We want them to develop in spiritual disciplines. We do that through Bible reading and accountability and support. So if you're kind of from the old school, maybe you've called it a quiet time. That's, that's kind of what we're trying to work them towards, is having a quiet time every day, a consistent moment where they are praying, where they're reading God's word and studying it for themselves so that they can leave that moment better equipped with their day. You know what I'm saying? Better equipped to have God on their mind and to be connected with him. We want to show them how to pray. We don't want to just assume that they know how. We want to show them how to pray, and then during the week, their intentional disciple leader is going to text them and ask them, are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? So we're going to give them some accountability. We're learning scripture. We're memorizing scripture. I I almost can't think of a more important thing. I almost can't think of a more important thing that we do in, in our youth ministry than, than, than give verses to our students to learn so that for the rest of their life, God's word will be hidden in their hearts. It's so vital. It's so important. So we, we have scripture memory. We also talk a lot about how we reprioritize our time to match what God would have for us rather than what we think is the most important thing, to do the most important thing, not the most urgent thing, Right? We want them to engage in relational evangelism, and we want them to have the ability to share their faith, so we're going to train them in that spiritual discipline. We give them opportunities to share their faith. We just talked about it at Spring Serve Mission Trips. We're going to have them role play with one another for the next three weeks, in fact. We're going to have them role play with one another in their small groups around the bridge illustration. They're going to learn how to share their faith, the actual functions of it, okay? Not just, oh, I love God, and you should too. That's not enough, right? They need to be able to clearly and logically walk somebody through maybe a Romans Road presentation or a bridge illustration or a gospel presentation. We're going to give them multiple things to work through. And then we also give them their written testimonies. We help them figure out how to tell their story and how to tell God's story. We think that's so important. And, And in that, there's a lot of times that the light bulbs start to go off. Huh, what is my story? Who is God to me? And so it's very important that we begin to write these things down and have them slick and ready to present at any moment because at any moment, someone might want to know about Jesus, right? Okay, so we teach them their purpose of making disciples through intentional relationships. We do that on Wednesday nights when we meet. It's always and always will be about relationships. Go and make disciples. That doesn't happen at this moment. This is just a challenge. This is not discipleship. Right? Discipleship is relationship. It is intentional investment in someone else. It is having ears to hear in a conversation what someone might be saying, what we would call faith flags. Someone drops a faith flag in a conversation. They say a word like church, or they say a word like God, or they say a word like I believe. Those are the, those are the things that we start perking up to say the opposite. Well, I believe in, do you get what I'm saying? So we're teaching them to recognize and pay attention to those things. We also have Sunday night small groups where while you guys are in discipleship, our kids are doing kind of a, an, an interesting version of discipleship. It's still discipleship. There's an, in, there's an intentional leader like my wife Rachel or Laura Long or Brady Smith. Uh, you can go down the list and name all these intentional leaders I have. But, but we have intentional leaders who are with a small group of your students and are training them and teaching them. And they are 
catching up with them in their week. They are praying with them, holding them accountable. We want to teach them that it's important to make disciples. See, in our ministry, we don't just hope that your children gain an understanding of discipleship. Because I think that's how a lot of churches operate. A lot of churches operate under the assumption that you will intuitively understand what I want you to get. And that's not what we're about here at Cornerstone. We want to live it out for them and with them. So we call that lifestyle transfer. That's what Paul did all over the New Testament. He didn't just go and preach at places. He lived in places. And he lived with people. And he taught them how to be like Jesus. And he said stuff like, follow me as I follow Christ. That's discipleship language. And that's what we want to do in our youth ministry. We have our why figured out. And we're constantly trying to figure out the how to do it. Because what worked genera- generationally won't always work. You, you get what I'm saying? What, what used to work won't always work. And so we're trying to figure out how to best implement these strategies, these whys. So we have to constantly update. We have to constantly be thinking about our approach. So, so now you kind of know from a church standpoint our why and, and maybe a little bit of the how. But I want to get back to the most important element of development. And that's you. That's the parents. That's you guys in this room. As the parents of these children and teens, why do you do what you do? I'll say it again. The development of your children is directly paralleled by your intentionality to develop them. Erica McAdoo and I, at most, have 125 hours with your kids. And some of y'all are like, that's so much. It's really not. It's 1.5% of a whole year. And that's if, when they come to every single one of our events, they attach to our hip and only talk to us the whole time. Which they don't. Like, we're cool. And listen, I'm very cool. I know I am. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to laugh. I'm just, I know. I'm very cool. But their friends are cooler than me. And they're going to hang out with their friends while they're here. And so it's impossible that they're going to be with me the entire time they're at every event. It's just, it's just impossible. It's not realistic. So at most, I have 125 hours with one of your students. At most, Erica has 125 hours with one of your students. That breaks down to about 1% of an entire year. 1% that we have with them. At best, I'm a substitute. Like, at best, I'm your substitute. You, you guys get what I'm saying? You guys, are, you guys are Steph Curry. You guys are the starters. You guys are the ones that are playing the game. And, and I'm just, I'm like the fifth string water boy that comes in when everyone else is injured. Like, honestly. Okay? That, and, and Erica, the same way. We, actually, she's, she's third string. She's much better than I am. She's third string water boy. Uh, so, at best, we're your substitutes. But see, it's just practical that you would have the most influence on your students. And, and, and beyond practical, it's God ordained. This is what God set up on purpose, that you would be the primary influencer in the development of your students. See, this game that we're playing, life, is a 24-hour full contact sport. And I don't know that there's winners or losers per se, but there are definitely those who are engaged in the game, and there are definitely those who are playing with the ants. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Five-year-old soccer games? where you have the little David, me, that was playing with the ants, picking the ants up with the little grass blades and not paying attention to where the ball was being kicked at all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There are definitely those who are scoring goals, and there are definitely those who are picking their boogers and watching ants. (laughs) There are those who are engaged, and there are those who are not. So in order for us, your ministry team, your staff members, in order to help you best in raising your kids, I want to arm you with some, with some interesting statistics, okay? Uh, let, let's, let's splash that stat up there, sound booth. Okay, I want you to look up here in the right-hand corner. Your teens, on average, spend six minutes a day doing something religious. Look how much they're on their phone over here on the left-hand bottom side. Look how much they're eating and they're drinking right here in the middle. What's other? It's like, what are y'all doing? They spend, look at grooming right here. You see it in the middle? They spend nine times longer fixing their hair and their two sprigs on their chin, the beard. 
than they do reading their Bible or praying. Now, before you're like, well, whose stats are these? This is the government stats. This is a study done last January in 2018. Six minutes a day your teens do something religious. And before some of you adults are like, millennials, this is what's happening. Adults spend a whopping three minutes more doing something religious or civic, or civic, which basically is a religion, if we're honest. Nine minutes and 36 seconds are how long adults spend doing something civic or religious a day. We wonder why we live in a post-Christian society because the development of your children is directly paralleled by your intentionality to develop them. And if you're only in the Word and praying nine minutes a day, you better bet they're doing less because there is so much more to do with their phones and with their friends and at school and in sports and whatever on Netflix or Hulu or Disney. Who's getting Disney Plus? Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I'm getting Disney Plus. It's a new streaming service which Disney's putting out. It's going to be awesome. I'm watching all the good ones. I got a hand raise over here. Thank you. Now, we wonder, we wonder why our country is where it is and, and, and we begrudge that. Look at our national averages. You know what I mean? It, it, it's disheartening on one end, but it's also encouraging on the other. For a church of disciple makers, we at Cornerstone can smash these national averages. We don't, we don't have to just measure up to the six minutes a day. We can do more. See, in discipleship, we learn that we all have the same 24 hours. Whether you're a Christian, a non-Christian, or a disciple of Christ, one who's devoted and actually serving and following him, being changed by him, whether you're on the periphery, whether you're not a Christian at all, or whether you're a disciple, you all have the same amount of time in a day. It's the prioritization of that time that makes the difference between a devoted follower and one who is not. A devoted follower, a disciple, they make their moments matter. They make their moments matter. They know why they do what they do. Is that, is that making sense? They make their moments, they, they have an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. Cornerstone, we have a commitment to you, and we, we, we bring it right from Scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. I'm reading out of God's Word translation because I just really like the way it, it says it. He also gave apostles, prophets, missionaries, as well as pastors and teachers as gifts to his church. You're welcome. Their purpose is to prepare God's people. Sorry, that was silly. <laughs> Their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. This is to continue until all of us are united in our faith and in our knowledge about God's Son until we become what? Mature. Until we measure up to Christ, who is the standard. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed and carried about by all kinds of teachings that change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. Instead, as we lovingly speak the truth, we will grow up completely in our relationship to Christ, who is the head. He makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint. As each and every part does its job, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's, that's what I'm here to do for you. That's what Pastor Bobby and Pastor Goins and Pastor Jeremy, that's, that's, what, that's what we're here to do for you guys. That's what we're, we're here to help equip you because we understand the amounts of time that we have with your students and even that we have with you. It's slim in comparison to what you do the rest of your day. It's slim in comparison to an overall year. And so what we want to do is equip you because discipleship starts at home. Somebody say, discipleship starts at home. It's not a program we invented. It's been God's heart all along. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is in the Old Testament now. This is going way back. This is what he says, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here's the why. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Here's how. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to who? Discipleship starts at home. 
And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The verbiage here is all-inclusive. At any moment, at any time, no matter what's happening during your day, we are to diligently teach what God's word says. We're to have it enough in our heart that we can talk about it. That means we have to read it first to know it. Because if we don't know it, how can we talk about it? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I know a lot about keto right now. And I'm not on the diet. I know a lot about whole 30 or whole year or however long you guys do that thing. And I'm not on it. Listen, I love mac and cheese. I can't be doing whole 30. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but I know a lot about it because you talk about it. Because it's important to you, because it matters to you. Because when you rise up and when you lie down, you're thinking about it. You're diligently carrying out the practice of not eating this carb-loaded, sugar-loaded thing, but eating this really healthy thing instead. And your mind is really focused on that wherever you go, whatever you do. And what God is asking for us, even in Deuteronomy chapter 6, long, long time ago, is that we would be doing the same about him with our kids because discipleship starts at home. You shall teach them diligently to your children. See, discipleship has always been the goal from the Old Testament all the way until now. It's always been the goal. And see, what Jesus did with the Great Commission is he said, go and make disciples, right? You've heard it a thousand times in this church, but I'm going to say it again. The go there really should be translated as you go. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, as you go, by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. That sounds like an as you go moment to me, doesn't it? Doesn't really sound like it's in conflict with what God wanted us to be doing in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the first place. It's the exact same thing that Jesus is saying to us in the Great Commission, which is as you go. As you go, you will be teaching God's word. You'll be teaching how to live. You'll be demonstrating how to live God's word to your kids. And when you fail, you apologize and move on, right? So our commitment to the next generation at Cornerstone is really a commitment to you. Yes, to your kids, of course. Of course, you just heard me say this whole time what we do and how we do it. We know our why. So I'm asking you, do you know yours? Do you know your why? Are you investing your life in the things of God? Are you being discipled? Are you discipling others? Are you making sure that discipleship isn't just a group thing that you do once a week, but a lifestyle that you live with your kids? Because that's what God wants for us. As you go, make disciples and it starts within your own home we want to see your family grow into spiritual maturity not not just you individually but your whole family we want to see them grow and develop into spiritual maturity see our aim is that you would have a self-sustaining faith that grows to the point of reaching out to others when i say self-sustaining i mean self-starting i mean uh uh, okay, let's, let's do a little, little thought exercise. When you want to eat, you go to the fridge and you make something, right? Whether it's leftovers or a sandwich or, or maybe you hop in the car and you drive down to whatever fast food is your addiction and you get that, okay? Mine's Taco Bell. And y'all can, y'all can razz me about it, whatever. You can judge me, but I love the Taco Bell. Um, and, so, and so when I get hungry, I do something. I act on that impulse and I go and do something. All right, in a self-sustaining faith, you have come to love God, know God and love God enough that you're going to do something about it. You're going to read his word, you're going to pray, you're going to seek conversation with your disciple leader or your group, you're going to be seeking other conversations outside of your, your small group to be talking about God. You're going to do something with what you know. We want a self-sustaining faith that grows to the point of reaching out to others. And listen, we're going to show you how. We don't just assume that you're going to understand and glean everything from what we're trying to say from the stage. That's, that's silly. This is like one of the lowest forms of learning, auditory learning. 
one of the highest forms is you watch as I do, and then you do as I watch, and then you go do. That's the highest form of learning. How did you learn how to do the dishes? Well, you, your mom made you do the dishes. That's how you learned how. I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. And for us, we want to show you how to live a life for Jesus. See, but we recognize this doesn't happen overnight. So we have small groups, we have church events, we have scheduled times throughout a year so that we can help constantly have touch points with you to continually equip you on and on and on to be intentional with your kids. Here's a small step that you can take this week if you're a parent in this room. We're launching a new text service for our parents. If you text the number, uh, uh, sorry, if you text Parent Connect to the number 97,000, Parent Connect, one word, if you text Parent Connect to 97,000 each day, you'll receive a text message with a verse or a song to listen to or a challenge that you and your family can do together or a conversation starter to get you talking about God in your home. And, and before you're like, ugh, another thing, you don't do that when Cabela's sending you good stuff. You don't do that when Macy's is sending you good stuff or whatever it is, whatever the place that is that you like. <laughs> when they send you stuff, you're not, you're not worried about it. You're not worried about it. In fact, you, you just take a quick glance at it, look at it, and see if it's going to impact your day at all or not. And then you move on. You delete it or whatever. Or you save it until you can go get the sale. So, so this is a small step. This is a really small thing. We're going to send you literally one sentence. We're going to send you one sentence that has some sort of challenge or verse or something that will begin a conversation in your home around God. See, read the verses together. Talk about what they mean to you first. And then ask your kids, what, what does this mean to you? Listen to the songs. Sing them together. Uh, there was a time uh, where, where my dad made me learn the guitar so that we could sing in our home together. And like as kooky and as weird and as goofy as I thought that was as a teenager, like this is lame, you know, whatever. Like I'm so appreciative of it now because I understand what my dad was doing. He was intentionally trying to set up a house that's revolving around God. And so after dinner, we would sit down and sing a song together. And we'd look at each other. It was kind of weird, honestly. But now when I look back, it wasn't. It was a really beautiful moment where we were worshiping together, where we were singing the praises of God together, where our home was filled with not the garbage that comes in on the TV, but with the love of Christ. Maybe we should sing some songs together. I don't know. Examine the lyrics. Look at what they're trying to say. Ask great questions of your kids' lives, and I guarantee you're going to start seeing growth. Like, you, you, how can you not? We learn in discipleship there are three parts. There's your part, there's their part, and there's God's part. God is faithful. He is 100% doing his part well. And so if you'll do even a little bit of your part, God is going to work on their part. And God is going to work on your part because he wants to see not only your kids grow, but he wants to see you grow because guess what? You're not done growing either. Amen? All right. So sign up for the text service, Parent Connect to 97,000. We're not going to bombard you. We're going to send you one sentence a day because we want to have a moment where you're talking about God with your family. We believe that if we can get all, all the families at Cornerstone seeking God for just 10 minutes a day, Listen, that's, that's almost double the national average for teens. We're nearing double the national average if you spend 10 minutes in God's word a day. I think we're going to begin to see drastic results in your home and in our church and in our schools and in our communities. I, I know we will because God is faithful and he'll work with the small steps that we take in faithfulness towards him. And he's going to grow our desire even as we begin to seek him more and more. It becomes a self-feeding cycle. I heard a preacher talk about recently a passage in Galatians that says, if you sow to the Spirit, then you're going to reap in the Spirit later. So if you do something for God now, even a small thing, then later on, that thing is going to produce something. Does that make sense? I know we're not like an agricultural people, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Let's, let's, let's go modern day, compound interest, the magic of that. I put $1 in, and when I retire, I have a million. I don't know how that happens, but it does, right? The magic of compound interest. 
I do one small thing today, but later on I reap the benefits of that one small thing that I did. If we can sow to the Spirit, it will reap dividends for us later. So if we can do small things for God even now, starting with 10 minutes, and listen, I think you guys can do more than that. I think that you guys are super varsity Christians. I really do. I think that you guys are disciples. I think that you're devoted to Jesus. I don't think that you're just a periphery Christian who talks about God but doesn't live it out. I think you live it out. I think that you guys are for real. I've been in your homes. I know you're for real about God. And I love that. So I think we can do more than 10 minutes, but let's just start there. Let's start by smashing the national average of six minutes, and let's go to 10 minutes, and let's see what God's going to do with that. I think he's going to do something. So subscribe to that service. Engage your kids at home. We practice the discipline of self-assessment here. We call that um, spiritual inventory in our church. Today, you need to answer the why in your family. Okay, maybe not answer, but let's ask at least. Ask the why in your family. Why do you do what you do? And let's begin to adjust the how to get there. See, I think in my own life, I get going so fast that for days and for weeks and, and maybe even months, I just live. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm not intentional. I, I parent by accident. Uh, I make it to work out of habit. I eat because my tummy's hungry. I'm just, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I have an impulse and I do. I live by accident. There's no intentionality there. I, I get trapped in, in living without knowing the why of it all. And every now and again, God does something in my life to make me you know, come out of the water and go, oh, if I just swim over there, I'd have to, I, I could stop swimming. I could get to land. And so we need to assess the why of our parenting because, listen, you, you cannot fall into default parenting mode. You guys know what default mode is? Everyone has one on their phone. I think we understand this, this idea of default mode. Everyone has their phone. It's just stock. It's default when you get it, and then you can begin to change the settings. If you're a little more of a seasoned adult, um, then you're going to make the, the like, text this giant, and everyone can read what you're talking about. Uh, if you're young, if you're young, you have a thousand apps that you don't use, right? Like, we all have our own, like, customized phone now, but it all started with a default mode. And listen, if you fall into default parenting mode, then you are just your parents. I mean, who parented you? You're going to do what they did. Listen, I had wonderful parents. Seriously. Like, I had, I had amazing parents. And here's what I'll catch myself doing when I get out of intentional parenting mode. I'll, I'll think to myself, well, I'm doing better than my dad. And I think that makes me better somehow. You guys get what I'm trying to say? I think, well, I'm more engaged in this way, or I'm doing something more this way, so that makes me better. And it really doesn't. It just makes me self-righteous and snooty. I've got a big nose already, and I like to look down at it sometimes. And if I fall into default parenting mode, Satan begins to, to tell me, man, you're nailing it. You're doing so good. You don't have anywhere else to grow. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. And in those moments, I find that I get a little more yelly. And, and I, I, get a little more, uh, I get a little more short with my kids because they weren't acting like, teenagers, even though they're two? Y'all know, know what I'm talking about right now? Okay. Hopefully I'm not just talking to myself here. But like, if you just parent by default, then you just become your parents. And, and even if you do something better than they did, it doesn't make you better at all. We don't want to get trapped into just our impulses and our genetic code. See, God has so much more for us than that. God has so much more for us than just to live by accident. He wants us to live knowing our why. So if you can have your why in mind with your kids, if you can have the why in mind for what they should be when they turn 18 and leave your home, then you'll begin to adjust the how to get there. We've got to examine ourselves for a moment today. Seriously. Examine your reaction to your kids. Examine the time spent on things that don't matter. I'm trying to put my phone down more. That's, that's where I'm at these days. Um, 
I, f I find that I mindlessly scroll and laugh at what you guys are posting on Facebook. And I haven't done anything. Like I haven't gone anywhere, I haven't read anything interesting, I haven't talked to my kids about God. Rather, I've giggled to myself about what I'm seeing on Facebook. And listen, Facebook's not bad. Like, I'm not, like, harshing on technology or, or whatever. But for me, personally, I'm trying to put my phone down. Y'all know the screen time thing that just started popping up? You get, a, you get an update every week, and it tells you you've been on your screen for, like, 1,000 hours this week or something like that? Uh, that's convicting to me. Today, mine said, I, my screen time was down 36% and I was spending three hours and 26 minutes on my phone this week, every day. That's a lot. That's a lot. Listen, I'm not nailing it <laughs> when it comes to putting my phone down, but I want to be nailing it. You know why? Because I want to see what my kids are growing into. And I want to talk to my beautiful wife when I'm home. So, so I need to put my phone down. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can identify with something. Maybe it's not a phone for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's another distraction. But know why you do what you do. Know why you do what you do. And let the how follow. Listen, if you need help tonight, or, or help at all with this, then in your discipleship groups, like maybe, maybe it's time to get a little vulnerable about what your family looks like. And listen, I, I understand. Like when you start talking about family, you're talking about the closest possible thing to your life and to your heart. And so disciple groups, don't rescue. Listen first. Y'all catch what I'm trying to say? If you're in a disciple group and someone is very open and honest about what's going on in their family life, understand that this is very close to them. And that what you do in your family is not necessarily what Jesus would do in someone else's. You get what I'm saying? What you would do in your family is not necessarily what Jesus would do in someone else's. Jesus might have a different setup and a format for them than you do. And so don't rescue and save, but have a conversation. Let's talk practically about what we can do to better seek God in our families. Listen to the hearts of your people. Follow your ground rules. Listen to your friends. Let's talk through practical ideas of what it might look like to talk about God over a meal and what it might look like to pray before bedtime and what it might, whatever it is, what it might look like to subscribe to Parent Connect at 97,000 and see what God will do with those things. Before we all pray and, and, and seek God internally, let me say this. If, you, if you're not a, 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 like a physical parent in here, you can be a spiritual one. If you're not a physical parent in here or if you're a parent but your kids are much older and they're out of the house, and you, you attend here, you're a member here, you're in discipleship, listen, we need you. We need you. We need you to serve in ministries here. We need your intentionality. We need your experience. We need your understanding of the scriptures. We need your abilities. We need you to be intentional with us because your church family's development is paralleled by your intentionality to develop us. We need you. We need all of us. We need all of us to be intentional and to seek God. See, at Cornerstone, we want to know our why. I think we have it. I think we have our why. Go and make disciples. Who can make disciples? That's our why. Come be a part of our how here. So you got some action steps this week. You need to examine your life. You need to subscribe to the Parent Connect. You need to sign up for a volunteer ministry somewhere in this church. If you're already signed up and you're already helping, praise God. Thank you so much. You are the best people. Like literally, you're the salt of the earth. You are the very best people anywhere ever if you're already volunteering. If you're not already volunteering, listen, you can. You're already the best people, but let's make you the bestest people. <laughs> Come be a part of what we're doing, okay? Come be a part of what we're doing because we want you to be a part of the how at Cornerstone. We want you to understand your why, which is to go and make disciples and be intentional with your family because it starts at home. And then it extends out from there. Come be a part of our how. Let's just pray for a few moments. Let's see what God has for us as we take some small steps of obedience towards him this week, okay? Let's pray for a little while. Father, thank you for today. Thank you so much for how you remove the distractions and uh, the sheer and veneer of life from our eyes sometimes so that we can see real depth and real understanding. Real depth and real understanding is living a life for you. It's being in relationship with people. 
It's having moments that matter. It's reprioritizing our time to put you at the center. I'm praying for these people in this room today, Father, that whether you're a a physical parent or a spiritual parent or wherever you are in between, God, that you would show us our next steps. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? What's my why at home? What's my why at church? What's my why with my kids? What is the why? What do I want them to look like? How do I want them to be? What character do I want them to display? What do I want to train them in? And how am I going to get them to know these things? God, help us to answer those questions today. Holy Spirit, speak to us today and help us to know what we should do next. And where we're failing, give us forgiveness. Where we're succeeding, help us to repeat those successes. Help us to move forward from this place knowing that you're going to equip and that you're going to guide and that through this community here at Cornerstone that you're going to further show us what we should do next. Father, I'm praying for our kids and our teens that they would come to know you in personal relationship with Jesus. I'm praying for our teens, God, that they would not be like everybody else around them, but that they would be totally different, totally set apart, totally sold out for you. I'm praying that they would be a generation that seeks you in honesty and in purity. Help us to be great parents to show them how to do that. Help us to to have discipleship start at home. In these moments while we sing, spend some moments asking the why of yourself. If you need to join this church, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here, come up to the front, let one of our people know. We're sitting here at the front. We'd love to, to have you come and be a part of our church. We'd, have to, we'd love to let you know how we can best assist you to be a great parent or a great spiritual parent someday. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we've got people up here at the front that can do that with you this morning. Easily. We, we would love to share Christ's love with you this morning. We would love to tell you how much God loves you how much he wants to forgive you of all the things that have gone wrong in your life and that he can set you on a new path forward. Come up to the front today. Let us know how we can best assist you. Come and join a discipleship group. You've got some steps this morning. Let's spend some moments praying and singing as we seek God. Matt and Avon, the Matt and Avon Ward, are coming to join with us today. Would you guys just affirm their decision to come and join with us? Yes. <laughs> As Pastor always says, we, we really are enriched by you guys coming and being a part of who we are and what we're doing here. And, and we want to commit back to you, Cornerstone Correct. We want to commit back to them to disciple them and show them how best to how, how discipleship starts at home and then how it extends out to other people. Thank you guys for coming to join and be a part of us. Thank you guys for being here this week. You got some action steps this week. Know your why. Know why you do what you do. We love you guys. We're dismissed. Let's go.